God will arise over you. That's his promise to us. He looks out for us. He's a loving father. He's a caring father. He's a compassionate father. He knows what's going on in our world. He knows what's going on in our heart. He's not distracted. He doesn't turn away. He doesn't, he doesn't sit there and go, well, your needs are greater than yours, so if you don't mind, I'm going to leave you for a second and focus over here. He has this capacity to focus on all of us with a massive heart of love. I didn't, never used to understand that. I remember when I had my first child and people would talk about the father heart of God. I didn't understand the father heart of God because I wasn't brought up in a home with a, with a, uh, that expressed my father. I know my dad loved me, but I only know he loved me because he's my dad, not because he was loving to me. He didn't say loving things. We didn't hug. We didn't talk. We didn't have any of those expressions of love, those things that you look at that make you go, when somebody says God's a father, you go, oh, I understand that, and it's a great thing. When I hear God's a father and I go back to what I knew of a father, I go, well, God's probably unfeeling. He's very unemotional. He's detached. He doesn't have a lot of time for me. That's what we think when we don't have a great... A, a great image or a picture of what a father is. And I've sat many times on the streets doing evangelism and stuff and trying to talk to people about God as a father. And you can see straight away, when I say the word father, they have an image and it's based on their own personal experience. And for a lot of people, that's not good. But when I had Caleb, my first son, for the first time in my life, I understood, oh my goodness, God, is this what you feel? Is this how you feel for me? I feel like I would do anything for this little bag of flesh right here. And you know what? This child, at this moment when he's born, can do absolutely nothing for me. He can't do a thing for me. He cannot in any way, shape or form contribute to my financial world. He can't make me healthy. He can't do anything. He can't help me get a promotion or another job. He can't he can't help me get ahead in life. No, as a matter of fact, this little bundle of flesh is going to cost me thousands and thousands of dollars throughout its life, hours of pain, out, buckets of tears. He's going to cost me everything. But the love I had for that child at that moment in time was unbelievable. And anyone here that's had children, you'll understand what I mean. It's not even something I could fathom and put into words. And I remember when we had our second child, Johnny, and Johnny was born. You know what my fear was? God. There's no possible way I could have that kind of love for another human. How do you, how can you have that love for two people? And I'm thinking the only way is you must have to somehow divide it in the middle, which means now I've got half the love for you that I had before your brother came along, and I'm only going to give you half as much as I gave him when he first came along because he beat you to the punch. I didn't understand it. But then when Jonathan was born, and I remember looking at that child born, he was born in central India in a hospital in Nagpur, and I remember looking at him and thinking, oh my God, there it is again. There's that same feeling. I don't understand how can you have so much love equally for this child and this child. And now with four kids, how can I have so much love for each of those children? It's not like it's 25% each person. It's 100% all around and I can't understand it. But that's the way God is with us. That's the love of the Father for us. It's this undiluted Love, not because of anything that we can give back to him to earn that, just simply because we are and he is. And that's the Father heart of God. And so God watches out for us and he looks upon us and he cares for us and he shines over us. That verse goes on and it says that because you have arisen and because you have shone and because the glory of the Lord is upon you, that Gentiles will come. 
Non-believers, those people that don't know God are going to look and go, wow, as you arise and as you shine, there's something about you that is attractive to us. I don't know what it is, but there's something that's attractive to you, to us, about you. It's like Jesus walking around and tax gatherers and sinners and prostitutes. There was something attractive about that man that they wanted to be with him. They wanted to. And I've spoken to to, to people who in our modern day would be akin to tax gatherers and sinners. They don't want to go to church. They feel like like they're going to get condemned. Because a lot of times they have been. You shouldn't be living like that. You're this. They don't want anything to do with it. The Pharisees back in the day, they didn't want anything to do with them. But Jesus came along and they wanted to be with him. The Gentiles, these unbelievers wanted that there was something attractive about him. And that's what this verse is saying, that there'll be something attractive about you. There'll be something about the life that you carry. There'll be something about the light of God upon you that will be attractive to a non-believing world. Gentiles will come. And not only Gentiles, it goes on and it says, and kings, people of influence. You know, sometimes when we think about church, we think about it's, it's really for those people who, who, like when I got saved, my grandmother, my nana, she made this statement. She heard that I was going to church. At 19 years of age, she heard that I'd, I'd started to follow this Jesus thing. And a couple of years later, I was having a conversation with her and, and she said to me, she said, oh no, well, Alan, I can understand you, you doing the church thing because with your background and your upbringing, you needed something like that. What are you saying then? You know? Oh, because, oh, well, because, you know, because my, my, my socioeconomic background was way down here and we didn't have a lot of money and we didn't drive fancy cars and we lived in caravan parks and you know we're, because we were you know we, we needed something if you like that you know who else is like that anybody like that you got well, you need jesus i'm going to pray for you now because you need jesus why because you've got nothing you need the insinuation is of course look if you've got a great marriage and your body's healthy and your bank account's full and you got well you don't really need jesus do you because you've got everything else Missing the point. Missing the absolute point. But that was my nana's reaction. Oh, you need, you needed something like that. Well done. You know what? That's sometimes the way the world looks at the church too. It's the down and outers. It's the downtrodden. It's those with nothing. It's the, the, the people who can't, you know, the people who you can't, you're not strong enough to do it by yourself. You need a crutch to lean on. And I don't just mean with your knee. They're the sort of people that, 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 that a stereotype, those, they're the ones that go to church. But this verse is saying, no, kings are going to come. People of influence. People who are seemingly all together. They're going to realise you've got something I don't have. And I've got money and I've got fame and I've got cars and I've got houses. But there's something about you. There's something you have. There's a countenance about you. There's, we call it the glory of God, the presence of God. Call it what you want. There's something about you that these kinds of people are going to go, we want to come and see as well. You know, these are the promises that, that God uh, made here through this verse. I believe they're a prophetic statement about what God wants to do here. I believe it's a prophetic statement of what God wants to do through Arise Church. Again, let me say it's not because we are better than anybody else. I believe God, if God wanted to do that through every other, he could do the same thing. The different churches have different calls and different things that they believe that they're there to focus on. And some are, are out there doing amazing social works and that's what they do and that's what they're known for and others are doing this, don't they? I'm not 
saying anything about anybody else. I'm just saying I believe with all my heart that is a prophetic statement about what the Lord wants to do here. But the whole statement revolves around one thing, and that is us making the choice to rise. You've got to make the choice to rise. It says rise, shine, for your light has come, and then all these things are going to happen if we don't make the choice to rise. If we don't make the choice to stand up. I'd go so far as to say if you don't want to rise, if you are the sort of person that doesn't want to rise up in your faith, the sort of person that doesn't want to rise up in your spirit, you don't want to rise up in prayer, you don't want to rise up in in your passion for God, you don't want to rise up in your concern for the lost, you don't want to rise up if you just want a complacent Christianity. If you just want a Christianity where it's just all about you and you can go to heaven and, and that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You will go to heaven. It's great. But if that's the kind of faith you want and that's the kind of vision that you want, this is probably not the place for you to be. Because going ahead into the future, see, I believe we've just had a 12 month period where we have maintained some things. We've begun the journey together. We've begun to build. God's been bringing people in. One of the promises early on, and if you go on there further, in Isaiah 60, it talks about your sons and your daughters will will come home. Your sons and your daughters will be brought back. And you know what? I felt very early on when we first started this church, and many of you have been a part of that journey when we first came on board, and we used to get together and we would pray. And we prayed for those that had a passion and a love for Christ, but had drifted out of fellowship for whatever reason. Many of those reasons extremely valid. Extremely valid. And we prayed for those people. And that's part of this passage as you go on. Your sons and daughters will come. And we've seen people come back in. We've got some people here that have been out of fellowship for a long time and maybe they come along once every three weeks. But you know what? At least they're coming. At least they're slowly reconnecting. And that's all been part of the prophetic call of God upon Arise Church. But we've just kind of solidified and, and begun the journey. You know, I, I, I look at... At, at the picture in the Old Testament, and I look at a, a guy like Moses, and I, I look at Moses and I think, Moses went into Pharaoh one day. Now, he must have been a freaky scene. They haven't seen him for years. He's been out in the desert. He wanders through the streets, walks up to Pharaoh, looks him in the eye and goes, let my people go. It must have been comical. It must have been a laugh. You know? And we all know the story. No way, Jose. Oh, yes, you will. No, I won't. Yes, you will. No, I won't. Yes, you will. No, I won't. Well, yeah, how about a plague? How about rivers of blood? How about, how about, in the end, he's gone, go, get out of here. I don't want you here anymore. As soon as they walked out the door, he's gone, no, no, hang on, I've had a change of mind now, drag him back. Moses goes, Red Sea parts, they walk through on dry land, Pharaoh comes through, the water goes over, bang, gone. And the Bible says that the Israelites spent 40 years wandering around in the desert. Desert wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Have a think about it. I mean, if you've just come from 16-hour day dragging big stones, getting fed probably one tiny little thing of rice cake a day, in reality, all of a sudden now I'm in a desert, and guess what? My shoes never wear out because God maintains it. Every day, my shoes are back. My shoes are back. I wake up every day and I've got my new connies on. Every day. They're getting a hole in them at night time. I'm too tired to fix it. I go to, so I wake up the next day. It's like Sienna's been. I've got new shoes again. 
It's amazing. It's not bad. I'm sure there's better out there, but hey, it's not bad considering where I've come from. Manna falls from heaven every day. They get food given to them every day. Okay, they're wandering around in a desert, but looking at where I've come from, not a bad deal. I still think it's a step up. I know they whinged and complained. The Bible tells us about that. Oh, you brought us out here to kill us and we want to go back. I'm sure in hindsight, years later when they picked up the Old Testament and started reading it, oh, we shouldn't have done that. Wasn't that bad really when you go back a couple of chapters and look at what we were doing. It's not that bad. We're still a step in the right direction. But they whinge and they complain. But you see, Moses had this maintenance man anointing, if you want to put it that way. As long as Moses led them, their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. Manna fell daily. They got enough food for the day. When he died and Joshua came on board, that's when they went, now we've got to go into the promised land. Let's go forward now and let's start to take some ground. Let's start to take some of these places that God said to this generation that died in the wilderness. God said to them, there's a place I want to take you. Let's go. They grumbled, winds complained, didn't really want to go there. So God in his, in his wisdom and his mercy and his grace is happy to wait. Now God, God's got a plan. He knows what he's doing and he's not being pressured by any human being to hurry up and do it. If you're sitting there waiting, feeling like you're trying, you know, don't pressure God. Listen to God. Be led by God. Don't try to lead God. Let God lead you. Let God make the calls. Let God make the shifts. Let God speak. Follow his voice. There are several situations in the Bible where people couldn't be bothered waiting to hear what God had to say. And they told God what they wanted. And you know what? Several occasions there, God said, no worries, that's what you want, you'll get it. And it didn't turn out too good. So listen to God. Be led by God. But Moses had this maintenance kind of mentality and that's what they did. They maintained what they had. But when Moses died and Joshua took them, God said, now it's time to go. Let's now go and let's achieve what we were called to achieve. Let's lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of you for. And I feel like we're at that point as a church. I feel like we're at that place where we've laid a hold of a little bit. And we've received a little bit. We've tasted. We've seen that God's good. We've, you know, some people have been coming in and out and checking it out and going. And that's all fine and that's all wonderful. It's great. But I feel like as a church that God's throwing a challenge to us and going, now it's actually time for you to rise. It's time for you to rise. Rise up in your own world. You know, Jackie made a statement a second ago. There's a battle going on. You know, it's not unPentecostal to admit that. There's a battle going on. There's a war raging around us as we speak. We see what happens in the natural, but there's stuff going on in the spiritual realm too that would probably freak us out. But it's going on. Whether we bury our heads in the sand or not, the battles are going on. You've got battles going on in your own world. You've got battles going on in your heart. You've got battles going on in your head. You've got battles in your finances, battles in your family. We're victorious. We will overcome. That's the promise of Scripture. Yes, we will. If we keep our eyes fixed on God, listen to what he's telling us and walk in the steps of where he's telling us to go, we, we will overcome. And, and for some situations, the overcoming may not be till the last breath leaves my lungs and I stand before him, but I will overcome. I will have victory. I will win. But those battles are real and they're there. And there's got to be something in my spirit 
that goes, you know what, I need to rise up. I need to put some pressure against these things. I need to start to realise that I'm saved for a reason. I'm born again for a reason. I have my family for a reason. I am in this church for a reason. This church has been given a prophetic call for a reason. There are reasons. And I need to start to make the choice to rise up on the inside myself. You see, I, I, I believe that when the church comes together, it's a coming together of a whole bunch of individuals. You know, people talk about the corporate anointing. When we all get together, there's this corporate anointing. Well, my firm conviction is the corporate anointing is as powerful as each individual anointing that you all bring. If you don't build a personal relationship with God, you can come into here and hopefully if everybody else is intimate with God and, and, and praying and getting into his word and listening to his voice and living their life in obedience to him, you can come and get dragged along in that wave to a certain degree. You can. That's not God's highest. You should be bringing something as well that's going to help drag somebody else along that walks in here. Help them get caught up in something that God is doing. Help them get caught up in passion and love for God. We're called as a church to rise up and I, I, I believe... I, go with me to, to, to Joshua chapter 18. This is, the, this is the image that God's given me. Joshua chapter 18, the children of Israel have... Have, have, have crossed the Jordan. They've, they've taken on a few cities. They've had a, had a, had a few battles. They've won a few victories. Yeah, they're doing okay. They're doing okay. But we read in Joshua chapter 18. It says, Now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of meeting there. And the land was subdued before them. They set up a tent set up a bit of a camp. But there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. And verse 3, Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? Pick out from among you three men for each tribe, and I will send them. They shall rise and go through the land, survey it, According to their inheritance, they come back to me. They got to a point where they'd achieved a few things, had a little measure of success, and were happy with that. But God was saying, I didn't call you into this land. I did not get you out of Egypt. I did not destroy Pharaoh and his armies. I did not send all those plagues. I did not call Moses out of the desert and make him go through everything that he went through. I did not take you into the wilderness. I did not put up with the grumblings of your forefathers. I did not extend my grace and mercy to, to say to them, okay, I won't abandon plan, but you, whinging generation, you're out. You're not going to see it. I'll wait till your kids grow up and hopefully they'll have a better attitude. I didn't do all of this so that you could have this much victory and then just camp on the edge of a mountain, set up a tent and go, yeah, we made it. There is so much more that God had for them as a nation. And I feel in my spirit this strong stirring that we're kind of there, that there's so much more that God has for us as individuals. And we have a choice to make. We either rise up and we seek God and we get in his face and we ask him to speak. We ask him to go before us. Not only do we do that, but we have a heart that has already decided you will obey regardless. You've got to already determine in your heart that you will be obedient regardless. 
Don't be one of these people that says, Lord, speak to me about my future. God, tell me what you want me to do, but if you tell me to go to India, I won't do that. I did that. I remember when I got saved and was seeking God about, I, I went to youth with a mission, was doing a training school, and I'd always said to God, I'll go anywhere in the world, Lord, but I won't go to India. Because everyone told me India smells and you get the runs and all kinds of negative things. So I, I made it very clear to the Lord, I'll do anything in the world, but I won't go to India. You know what? As a result of that, he didn't really speak to me. Until one day, I remember one day, with a group of mates around me, praying, and my heart opened up to the full vision of God, and I said, Lord, you know what? I'm not going to put up any boundaries, whatever you want. And if that means India, God, I'll go, but don't tell me to. And he did. And I ended up over in India and spent some fantastic time over there, seen some wonderful miracles, met some beautiful people, and will carry that nation in my heart till the day I die. As a matter of fact, I'm hoping later on, this year and going forward that as a church we have some opportunities to get involved in that country and, and, and do some things. We'll, 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 we'll follow that with uh, eager listening and see where we end up. But the point is that if you have got to a point in your walk with God where you've just decided that's enough, well, you know what? That'll probably be enough. The sad thing is you will make it to heaven. And I say sad because that's not what it's about. There is a world out there that are yet to experience the heart of a father. And unless we rise up, and unless we play our part, and we seek the face of God, and we get intimate ourselves with him, and we get that heart of obedience that says, whatever you say, Lord, whatever you say, I'm not just going to get to a certain point I don't want to just let's, just, let's just get this church to a point where uh, we can hire a building and, and, and Luke who comes in every morning, Sunday morning, and busts his backside setting up sound gear. Let's, if we can just get to a point where we can set up permanently and, and I can, you know, I would feel like I'd achieved something wonderful. I would. I'd feel like this is a great church because I see how much that, that guy works and what he does behind the scenes every Sunday morning. He's had two Sundays off in a whole year. And that's not because I haven't told him to take him off. He just keeps turning up. It's like he won't do what he's told. But you know what? I can think that way. If we can just get to there, then once we've done that, I'm just going to build a tent and worship God and I'll be happy. But you know what? God has so much more for me, for you, for the church, for Luke. God has so much more. And I feel like we're at that stage where God wants to say to us prophetically, it's now time to rise up. Christy, if you want to come up, we're just going to, just going to close with a word of prayer. And I feel this real stirring in my spirit. That, that's, that, by the way, that's not, I've still got a message here. I'll do it next time because I haven't even looked at it yet. But it's good too, by the way. It's quite good. I, I was quite impressed with it. Um, obviously, obviously God wasn't, so <laughs> it kept me away from it. The kingdom of God advances as God's people make the choice. And quite often it's the tough choice to rise and to shine, to stand up on the inside, to throw away any backdoor options you may have. You know, who was that, um, that Spanish explorer? You, you, you would probably know. Um, give me, someone throw at Spanish explorers. He took the ships over. They went, they went, oh, come, oh, you know what? 
ancient, ancient history was my topic, not the more modern stuff. Anyway, he went over and took some people over and they discovered a new land and they got on the shore and he burnt the boats. He set the boats on fire. What was his name? He set the boats on fire because he said to all the crew and everybody that came with him, we are not going back to America or Spain, wherever it was. I think it was Spain, wherever we came. We're not going back there. And in order to make sure that we don't go back there, we are burning these ships. There was no airport on the island at the time. They couldn't get a flight home. There were no other ships coming to pick them up. They burnt the ships and said, no, we've gone forward. We're starting a new life. This is where we are. We're closing every back door, getting rid of every other option because we've made the choice. This is now our life. And I feel that kind of prophetic urgency in my spirit at the moment. I feel challenged. I feel like God's saying, Alan, if you've got any backdoor options, close them. And I'm not just talking about backdoor options as in you know, faith where you know people might be wondering, oh, I don't want to follow Jesus anymore. Nothing like that. But do I want to be involved in what God wants to do here? Yes or no? And if I've got backdoor options, I feel like God's saying to me, close them. You've got to close them first before we can go forward into the future. A double-minded man is unstable in everything he does. Amen? Can we just stand together this morning? I just want to pray for us. I don't mean this heartlessly when I say this, but I do mean it. I, we don't want to just maintain. We want to go forward. We want to make a difference. And if there's something in you that just wants to maintain, that's, that's fine. But just maybe, just maybe, there's another church out there that is going to be able to serve you better and, and, and help you in your journey with God. We are committed to walking this journey with everybody here. And I'm not saying anyone leave. I, I'd be brokenhearted if people left. But understand the culture. We, we want to go forward. We want to make a difference. The church is too often referred to as a hospital. And yeah, part of it's a hospital. But you know what? A part of it's actually a, a, a squadron of soldiers as well. We're an army too. We want to make a difference. We can't do that by ourselves. We do that best together. Father, I want to thank you this morning, Lord. I thank you that, God, this church, Father, is not the best church. It's not the only church group. But this church here, Arise, is the best church for me because you have called me to be here. And anyone that you have called to be here, well, God, this becomes the best church for them. Lord, I want to thank you, God, that when you birthed this group of people, when you saw this fellowship in your spirit, in your mind's eye, God, you saw a group of people taking ground. You saw a group of people moving forward in their personal world, in their personal life. God, you saw a group of people moving forward in their communities, moving forward in their families. God, you saw a group of people who had burned the ships and closed the back doors and locked the windows and only had one way and that way was forward with you and that is your heart for us. That is your call upon this church, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that we have that passage, that you gave that to us, that we can go back to, that we can 
look back upon and go, well, this is the direction, Lord. Are we fulfilling what you've called us to fulfill? Father, don't let us get caught up in the latest movements or fads or this or that, God. We just want uh, God to be doing what it is that the Spirit of God has called us to do. And we want to make a difference for the kingdom of God here on planet Earth. And God, if, if, if anyone's here and we're, we're, we're in our heart, we want to, but there's things holding us back or we, we want that focus, but there's just things that we're dealing with, then Holy Spirit, I pray, work with us. Father God, work with us with grace and mercy and power and help us to deal with those things. Help us to rise up and help us to shine. And we pray all this for the glory of your Son, Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. 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 Well, we're going to be up the front here. If anyone would like prayer for anything, we'd love to pray with you this morning. Uh, We'll be meeting again next Sunday back here. Uh, Don't forget, connect groups are going to be kicking off at the end of the month. If you're hanging around, there's some fantastic tea and coffee and biscuits. Grab someone you haven't spoken to before and say good day to somebody new. Amen. Have a great week.